Hi, this is Mark, and welcome to episode 40 of Nerdology. And my very special guest today is Mr. Brendan Jones. Hi, everyone. Hello. That's not my real uh, voice. Brendan... I don't know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit muppety there, which is no bad thing. Yay! <laughs> I'm flailing. Uh, Brendan is from, I mean, you, you've got a list of podcasts and YouTube channels as long as your arm, but the, the one I know you best from is Flight Through Entirety, which is an amazing podcast. Do you want to give that a little plug before we get going? Yeah, so um, Flight Through Entirety is a Doctor Who podcast where we have been making our way through every televised Doctor Who story in broadcast order from 1963 onwards. So we're currently, uh, we just released episode... 161, um, Mm -hmm. which was our retrospective of David Tennant's first year in the role, so series two of Mm -hmm. the revived series. Um, It's actually our 162nd episode because I decided to start with an episode zero, uh, as you do. Um, Well, you know, (laughs) it helps to sort of set the tone for what you're going to get, doesn't it? That's right. Uh, So I'm no longer on every episode so i was on every episode (laughs) i was on every episode (laughs) of the classic series and for the new series Mm -hmm. um i sort of said oh you know i'll do like three or four per per season per series Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah, so there's that uh we also have bond finger yes which um has done commentary podcasts on every james bond film including two mm. on Casino Royale 1967. Um, wow. And, yeah, I mean, it's basically just an excuse to get drunk and talk about James Bond films. <laughs> and spinning off from that, uh, we have Jody into Terror, which was mm-hmm. our flashcast for um, for the Jodie Whittaker era because we realised mm. the way we're proceeding with FTE, we wouldn't get to... Yeah, Jodie Whittaker until I think we figured twenty twenty three, so mm-hmm. so we decided to <laughs> jump ahead a bit and just give our our live reactions, and um, sort of the running gag on our podcast is whenever we mention another series, be it Star Trek, be it Sapphire and Steel, be it Gardening Australia. Mm. Uh, someone, usually James, will say, when are we doing the Gardening Australia podcast? And It's the, only a matter of time. Exactly. But the response the response comes, we're doing it now. Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's just become a bit of a running gag because, uh, you know, FTE's the main one. Bond fingers mm-hmm. on a bit of hiatus at the moment. You know, we're occasionally yeah. doing other spy-related things. And, of course, Jodie mm-hmm. into Terror will return next year. But excellent. Yeah, there was there was there was three months there where we had three different <laughs> podcasts running. <laughs> well, luckily, I really like all of your shows, so that's uh, that's great for the listener. Oh, thank you. And, um, and you also have a YouTube channel as well. Oh yes, I do. I need to update that more. Um, but yes, so my YouTube channel can be found by searching for Brandy Nigma. So Brandy is in the drink. N-I-G-M-A. I'm trying to change it to Brandy Bongos, which is my new well, Twitter obviously, handle. Well, obviously, why wouldn't you? <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, YouTube have this weird stuff with not being able to change names on things. Uh, but uh. 
my main thing that I do there is a thing called Doctor Who in 10 seconds where I... Yeah, they're really great. <laughs> thank you, where I describe um, Doctor Who plots in 10 seconds um, or, or fewer. I think the only one I've really gone over on was um, Evil of the Daleks, which mm-hmm. ended up being 13 very breathless seconds. Well, that's a disgrace. I think you should just get rid of your channel now, delete the whole thing. I know, I know. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm unworthy of the diamond logo. Throw me across the train. <laughs> Terence Dix is never to write my introduction. <laughs> I think the thing that will always live with me is the, the image of you spinning on an office chair dressed <laughs> as uh, Zoe from uh, the second Doctor's era uh, um, in a sparkly cat suit. That cat suit has travelled. I've worn that... Um... Uh, I, sh- I shan't name drop, but I have worn that to a big Finnish writer's birthday party. That's what it was Ooh. originally created for. I've worn it for that video. I've worn mm. it to a convention. Um, and I've worn it on a um, on a gay cruise for a disco party where I got lots of compliments. <laughs> um it 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 does need a wash though because it because it's hand wash only. Ooh, yeah, yeah. too much information the, there, Brendan. No, 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 just just <laughs> it's very hot in Australia. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. why. Okay, yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> nothing, nothing untoward. This isn't Bond figure. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough enough of all that. Yes. Um, the reason we've got you on for this show, uh, we got chatting and um, we're both quite avid gamers and uh we figured it'd be good to, to cover that because it's something i've been interested in for so many years and i've never really covered it on the podcast before so i figured uh it would be just something a little bit different yeah yeah fantastic and uh yeah we're both fans of the nintendo switch yeah very much so absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely love it uh i mean my personal gaming history goes back because I'm very old, uh, back to the sort of early 80s and uh, the sort of birth of video games, certainly in the home for a lot of kids of my generation, was the the old classic uh, Sinclair ZX Spectrum computer. Uh, and for I have friends at work who are in their 20s and you have to explain to them you had to load the games via audio cassette <laughs> and you'd have to wait for, you know, 15, 20 minutes for it to load. And they just it blows their minds um but that was that was a huge thing in the uk um i think it was quite big in south america as well but um i don't think it really translated that far beyond the the uk maybe a little bit of europe um and then sort of progressed onto the commodore 64 which is another one of those 8-bit machines um that had a, a a newfangled floppy disk drive (laughs) <laughs> with cardboard discs which was you know that was the height of technology at the time and then you know a succession of various consoles um i missed out on the original nintendo entertainment system so <gasps> my first machine would have been the uh sega master system mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then onto the mega drive and then super nintendo uh n64 gamecube PlayStation, that was a huge change in the whole gaming stratosphere. As soon as that launched, that just totally, in my mind, 
it gave people a, a totally different idea of what gaming was and it was no longer thought of as for the kids anymore it was something that you know uh, in inverted commas grown-ups could do too mm. um and then you know succession of other machines and now right up to date with the nintendo switch which i think is such a great idea um i think nintendo coming off the back of the the uh rather lackluster sales for the wii u i think they really had to to really come up with something really good to really get themselves back on track and i think they succeeded this time around i don't know what's your own personal history what how far back do you go um i i go far i go back just about as far as as far as you do um you're Mm. right in that i don't think the spectrum ever came to australia in a big commercial Mm. way um i remember finding out about the spectrum about 10 years ago and being intrigued and seeing the graphics and whatnot and Mm. yeah jumping around a bit on the switch now is the spectrum game saboteur um, ah, sweet. Yeah, which I I have been enjoying playing. You know, the controls are very mm-hmm. different and very stiff compared to yeah, modern fluid yeah. gaming. But that's yeah, that is that is part of it. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, my family did have a Commodore sixty four, mm-hmm. um, and I remember my cousin had one as well. And my cousin's tape drive, the counter didn't work properly. Oh, no. And so, yeah, as well as having to load from tape, of course, sometimes you would have to go to a certain point on the tape to Mm -hmm. load that part. And I remember he got very good at counting as he was fast-forwarding the tape to get to a certain point. (laughs) Didn't always work, but he, (laughs) considering the counter wasn't moving, he did very well. (laughs) Um, Wow. So, but the first... Uh, we also had a Vectrex. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were cool. Yeah, and I am pretty sure that is still in my parents' garage somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw one recently at a retro gaming fair here and almost picked it up out of pure nostalgia, but it was $400. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the first console that was a gift to me was the original Nintendo Entertainment System. Right. Um, which my cousin had, and I played Super Mario Brothers 2 there and just got obsessed. So my parents bought me mm-hmm. one for Christmas. And yeah. then um, what I would do when the new Nintendo consoles came out, because I am just a Nintendo obsessive, um, mm. I would trade up. So I would sell my existing console. Yeah, and um, use birthday money and whatnot to buy the new console. So that's how I bought my SNES. Um, mm-hmm. My SNES, along with other things in our house, were then burgled, and with the insurance oh, money, no. yeah, with the insurance money, I bought the Nintendo sixty four. Mm-hmm. Um, when the GameCube came out, I sold the Nintendo sixty four to my brother in law for my nephews. And bought the GameCube on launch day. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wii, I didn't buy on launch day. I bought, like, yeah, two years afterwards when I moved to the UK. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The Wii U, I bought on launch day because that was going to be an amazing success of a console with amazing I think it had potential. some really good games, it but did. I just, I'm not sure what was going on in their minds with the whole marketing of it. And, yeah. Yeah. But I think. 
I think a lot of people got confused because they thought it was like another add-on because the, the original Wii had so many things like a balance board and all these other things. Exactly. And I think whether that, you know, if they'd maybe given it a totally different name, it might have perhaps yeah, or had e- a slightly better life. But Or even the Wii 2. People, yeah. people would have got that because it got, you know, the PlayStation has yeah. numerical iterations. But yeah, that mm-hmm. brings us uh, up to the Switch. But also about 10 years ago, uh, when I bought the Wii um, mm-hmm. and was living in the UK, which had, which had a much larger gaming scene and still has a much larger gaming scene than Australia, mm-hmm. um, I was suddenly able to start rebuilding my retro collection. And so I yeah. have quite a sizable retro collection now. I have about 300 cartridges and PS1 discs. Wow. Um, some Saturn, some Dreamcast. It's mostly Nintendo, but that is also where my mm-hmm. Sega collection started because okay. I had Nintendo and my nearest mm-hmm. cousin had Sega. Right. So rather than having to have both, we could we could play mm-hmm. each other's systems that way. And that makes sense. Yeah. I have very fond memories of the Sega Master System. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as an adult, I can look at it critically and think, actually, in some ways, this surpasses um, the Nintendo Entertainment System. It's got a much brighter mm. color palette. It has far yeah. superior sound. Um, yeah, and I recently rebought Alex Kidd in Miracle World on the Switch and finished mm. that for the first time. So, you know... Started playing it 30 years hey. ago and finished it for the first time. Hey. Well, you know, you can't rush these things. No, no. With um <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not too proud to say with prodigious use of the rewind button. Oh well, you know. <laughs> As you get a bit older, the old reflexes start to wane somewhat. That's right. <laughs> but uh no, I think going back to those the sixteen bit era, I think that's where it really started to take off for me. Mm-hmm. Um I think they both had, Sega and Nintendo both had some really good titles and I think they appeal to different people. Uh, So the Mega Drive was very much centred around, or Genesis abroad. Uh, I don't know, did you guys get the Mega Drive or was it the Genesis over there? Uh, We got the Mega Drive. Yeah, of course, that's the proper name for it. That's right. Uh, Yeah. Um, So you had a lot of arcade ports. which were, you know, I'd lap those up. Some of those were great. Mm. Um, and then you had the the snares, which had a lot of really unusual titles. And you had the whole Mode 7 thing as well, which um, really gave it a totally different edge on certain games. So things like Pilot Wings, I loved to bits. That was such a great little game. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, things like Mario Kart. Yeah, people take it for granted now, but that was such a, a massive game at the time. And then, of course, Nintendo stole a march on Sega by getting the first um, bash at Street Fighter 2. And I think that was the the killer game for the SNES that really brought a lot of people over to Nintendo that might have been more hardcore Sega fans. And that was such a great conversion. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many hours I would have wasted on that, but Mm. such a great game. Like, yeah, I'm not good at fighting games, but... Um, sort of Christmas holidays when mm-hmm. um, uh, a few of our, a few of we cousins were staying with um, with our nan. It'd be Street mm-hmm. Fighter and Mortal Kombat. Nice all the day long on on the SNES. Um, mm-hmm. 
and of course you know of course actual real life arguments would start and <laughs> my nan didn't know much about technology but she knew enough to t- take the power cable away if we were acting up <laughs> Yeah. Good old man. Yeah. yeah. It sounded like she had the right idea. <laughs> and of course, on the Nintendo version, I think they, am I right in saying they didn't have blood on Mortal Kombat? That's right. It was sweat. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know if it was officially sweat or if it was dust, but we rationalized <laughs> that it was sweat. <laughs> <laughs> so did they still have all of the decapitations and all that kind of stuff, the finishing moves? Um, I believe so, but to be honest, I was kind of terrible at it, so I could never do those. Yeah, so was I, to be honest. Yeah. It's like I... it, just, it strikes me as quite funny that they, you know, not include the blood, but have someone <laughs> having their head ripped out and their spine hanging out and what have you. Yeah. Um, I used to play as Raiden um, and okay. um, sort of E. Honda and Chun-Li because they're, mm-hmm. they're sort of special moves. So for Raiden, I, I still remember... He uh, he had a sort of battering ram move where he flew across the stage, which was back back forward. That's right. Mm-hmm. And he had teleportation, which was down down up. And I could do uh-huh. those. It's just any yeah. anything you know similar to the Hadoken, which was kind yeah. of a sweep and then a button. That's right. Couldn't do. Uh. And then in Street Fighter, I'd be E Honda or, or Chun Li or Blanca because mm-hmm. you could spam one of the attack buttons. And that mm. would be your special attack. So I'd just sit in a corner with Chung Lee's sort of <laughs> Chung Lee's sort of um, lightning kick or whatever it was. Just kick, yeah. kick, 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 kick. And then, of course, you know, my cousin would sweep the leg and I'd, I'd, I'd be dead. You'd be out for the count. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in terms of the Switch, mm-hmm. um, we, were, we were chatting before recording and uh, we were talking about maybe our sort of favourite games, the, the the ones we'd really recommend. So have you got a, a few there that you're... We're probably going to have a, a few similar ones, I would guess, but um, are there any you want to start us off with that you think are, are really worth getting? Yeah, certainly. I'll start off with a um, uh, sort of a less common one and something that people mm-hmm. complain about with the Switch is there's so much on the store and it's not curated very well. So people might have missed mm-hmm. this one. It's called Death Squared. Mm, okay. And it's a cooperative puzzle game mm. in which uh, each player controls a different coloured boxy robot. And okay. um, so it's two or four players. So in the two-player mode, mm. one of you is a red robot, one of you is a blue robot, and you have to navigate puzzles and hazards together. And there's things like there's switches that only the blue robot can press okay, and yeah. only the red. Um, there are semi-transparent blocks that only the blue robot can pass through and the red can't. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's spikes of death and things that will push you off into the void and whatnot. But the idea is each of you is trying to get to your own coloured goal. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, both my fiance and I have switches, but where, whereas I'm sort of a gaming jack of most trades, like there's mm-hmm. lots of different games I play, my partner tends yeah. to get obsessed with one or two games. So mm-hmm. his main obsession is Splatoon. Um, oh, which I will talk about. I love Splatoon yeah. so much, but anyway, yeah, that's we'll get onto that yeah, later. Yeah, I'll talk about that later, but. This is a game we can play together because he's not into platformers, which are my main kind mm. of gaming. We've tried to play Lego games yeah. together, 
and mm-hmm. we get very annoyed with each other just because we have <laughs> very different play styles. Um, but yeah, this is one we can actually play together. And even though we get frustrated, we get frustrated with the game, not with each Rather other. Each other. And there's sort yeah, of that's that's good. Yeah, and you get dropped into each level, and you don't necessarily know what the switches do. So one of you mm-hmm. will say, "Okay, I'm going to go off and explore." And you stay there. And the problem is they stay there. You you go and press your button and your button opens yeah. a path for them, but not before it creates spikes underneath the other player that oh. kills them. And so, and so, sorry, <laughs> darling, I didn't mean to kill you. Is Didn't mean to impale you. Exactly. It's quite a common phrase <laughs> in, in Death Squared. Um, we do have to play it on mute because it kind of has... Mm-hmm. It, and this is a this is a common indie game thing. It kind of has a an annoying, knowing narrator, oh, who is yeah. It's the scientist putting you through these, mm-hmm. putting you through yeah. these things. Um, but the gameplay itself is really solid. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually have a great website here called eShop Dash Prices, um, ah, okay. where you can look up what things cost in different regions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because that's one of the things with the switch, isn't it? You can, I'm right in saying you can go to, it's, they're not region locked, so you can effectively sign into an eShop uh, in another country and then download games to your Switch from there, and it'll still play. Exactly right. So on a recent trip to Japan, there was a game I wanted there, so I bought an eShop card there, which mm. took about twenty minutes because the the guy in the shop wanted <laughs> to let me know that it was only for a Japanese account. But he didn't speak uh-huh. any English and I didn't speak any Japanese. Oh, no. So he had to call okay. his supervisor and I had to talk to his supervisor who spoke English. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they they were just really kindly trying to inform me that it wouldn't work in Australia mm-hmm. and I really had to inform them that I had a Japanese account. But uh, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to let your listeners know that Death Squid, uh currently costs £12 in uh, the okay. UK. But if mm-hmm. you want to get it cheaper, get yourself an Australian eShop account where it costs $15, which is about £8 at this stage. So it's not, you know, it's not that much of a difference. But yeah, this is... Well, it all all helps. (laughs) That sounds really good. Um, It sounds... One of the things I really like about the Switch um, is Nintendo, who over previous generations had a very pretty much closed shop. They'd allow third parties in, but it was very much policed by them they've now seemed to have gone completely the other way and just really opened it up to everyone which means as you said the the e-shop is full of stuff which is is great in one way um but it does mean you're having to pick through a fair amount of clunkers before you actually get to the really good stuff um a lot of the, the things you were describing there in that game um my son's five so he's kind of getting to that point where he's he's really into uh, gaming, particularly on the Switch, obviously we're careful about the kind of games he gets to play. Of course. Um, there's one called um, Conduct Together. I don't know if you're aware of that one. Oh, no, no, I don't think I've heard of that. Yeah, so I downloaded that um, having seen um, uh, uh, some parents playing it on a YouTube channel and uh, I thought it looked like a lot of fun. So you have, it, it's very cutesy kind of graphics. Um, it, look, it looks a bit 16-bit, um, which you know, just drew me in straight away because I love all the retro stuff. Mm. And um, it's an overhead view, and you have a variety of different levels that have gradually more and more sophisticated train tracks. Um, and it's something that you play as a pair. So um, I think you can have up to four players on it. Um, 
So you ha you detach the Joy-Cons, you each have a Joy-Con. One of you is controlling the points on the track and the other one is controlling the trains. You cannot allow the trains to touch each other, otherwise they will explode. <laughs> um, so as well as having the trains that you're controlling, there are also computer-operated trains and other various things that try to collide with you. And you have passengers that are a particular colour that you have to drop to a particular coloured station. Uh, so you have to make sure you're getting your quota of passengers to the correct station within the time limit. Um, otherwise, you fail the level. And it's really simple, but it's very addictive. And it, is, it gets really super, super tricky on the levels as you progress. Um, so it's it's a lot of fun. I don't think it was stupidly expensive. I can't remember off the top of my head now, but um, um, I, I really enjoyed that. And it's just a fun one we can pick up and, and play. Um, so I'd certainly recommend that one as a, a more of an indie title. Mm, yeah, it sounds great. And actually, I might recommend that to um, uh, to James from our Bonfinger podcast because he quite well he works in town planning and he quite enjoys oh, right. uh, games that involve planning, but also games that involve trains. So mm. yes, I'll do. And that sounds he, like it's right up his street. Yeah, yeah. He's he's uh, been obsessing recently over Harry Potter Lego, but ah um, uh, yeah. But yes, I think that will be right up his street. Oh, excellent. Or down his track, as the case may be. <laughs> so what else have you got for us? Uh, so something else I absolutely love, and there is a video review of this on my YouTube channel uh, because we oh, cool. have a, a gaming uh, TV show here called um, Good Game, now, now okay. Good Game Spawn Point, uh, and they held open auditions for a new host uh, two years ago. Now, Obviously, I didn't get the gig, but I really enjoyed making this review. Uh, and this is Wonderboy, The Dragon's Trap. Mm -hmm. And it's a remake of a Sega Master System game. Yeah. It does have the original graphics and sound, but... At, yeah, I saw that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. At a button toggle, so I think it's one of the trigger buttons for the graphics and one of the thumbsticks mm. for the sound you can switch to hand-drawn graphics mm -hmm. and a fully orchestrated soundtrack. That's very cool. Yeah. I mean, the gameplay stays the same. Mm -hmm. There's been some minor updates to the gameplay, but really not that much because the original game itself was very fluid. So you, yeah. um, it picks up... Now, the Wonder Boy series is quite convoluted. <laughs> um, the... <laughs> There's pretty much two Wonder Boy 3s. Uh, okay, that's not confusing at all. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, pretty much Sega and I think it was Weststone, the original publishers. Hmm. At that point, the first two Wonder Boy games had been in uh, arcades and then ported to the Sega Master System. Yeah. With Wonder Boy 3, one department made an arcade game and one department made a console game. At the same time, right, which is why okay. there's two Wonder Boy threes. Um, mm -hmm. Now, with this remake, because Wonder Boy one and two ha weren't remade, this is just called Wonder Boy: The Dragon's Trap. The original creator mm. was involved as a creative consultant. Um, yeah. I believe this was uh, made uh, by a team in France, because as we kind of referred to earlier, the Master System really took off in. 
uh, the UK and Europe. Yeah. In a way, it didn't in America. Um, no, the NES was really, you know, hot over there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. In Australia, it seemed to be kind of even between the two. But I do remember as a kid, um, the Sega Master System was uh, very often given away as a prize on game shows. So mm. it did. Ha- uh, the Sega Master System did have a big public perception here. But I think, yeah. I think things were more even. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Wonder Boy, it just. There are games and visuals that, in my mind, conjure the word juicy. It's it's like... <laughs> okay, expand. <laughs> it's like biting into an orange or a mandarin and just getting flooded with flavour. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel about Wonder Boy, The Dragon's Trap, especially playing it with the new graphics modes and the new sound. Mm. It is just so flavourful and the style of gaming is that arcade platformer style, so you're constantly moving forward. Um, there is a really interesting weapon system in that you have your basic attack, but you also have um, a whole collection of secondary weapons that you switch between. Mm-hmm. Um I think I say in my video review my favourite's the boomerang because so long as you catch it on the way back... Um, you don't run out of them, but you can't, oh, cool. yeah, but you can lose them as well. There's various, uh, animal transformations. So you start as a dragon that breathes fire. There's, um, mm. there's a mouse that crawls up a wall as an eagle. You can fly. Um, and honorary mention around the same time as there was a team recreating this, um, there was another team who decided to go down the role of making a spiritual successor called Monster okay. Boy. Which is also out on Switch, Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom. Um, so, whereas Wonder Boy: The Dragon's Trap stuck to the original um, structure of the game, with one or two extra gameplay elements, uh, it's about a five-hour game. Whereas Monster Boy, it's a whole new game and it's much, much longer. So, yeah, two recommendations okay. for the price of one: there, Wonder Boy: The Dragon's Trap, and Monster Boy mm. and the Cursed Kingdom. Oh, that's cool, and obviously. If you like the sound of the One Boy game, you can go to Brendan's YouTube channel and check out the review, and you can see it in all its glory. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Excellent. Um, we can't really go on much further without talking about Splatoon. Yeah, I love Splatoon. Good idea. So much. <laughs> uh, it's it's one of the first games I got when I got my Switch, and it is so addictive. Mm. Um, and I think because I've missed out on the Wii U original, um, I'd heard so much about it and the people I knew who had the Wii U raved about the original so much. So when I got the Switch and I knew there was going to be a new version coming out, it was one of my first games to pick up. And I just love the variety of the gameplay and the the system um, where you can gradually improve on your stats and um kind of upgrade your player as you're going along um, but it appeals to such a wide audience because you've got your full-on sort of shooter gamers who really enjoy trying to push their way into the opposition's half of the the match and trying to take out players and then you've got people who are quite happy just to get a roller out and just start covering 
the floor in paint in their own <laughs> half and they're, they're quite happy to do that but it's it's that whole sort of team dynamic so everyone's kind of doing their own thing um and it's it's just such a clever idea for a game um and the graphics are amazing you know i know it's the switch perhaps isn't quite as you know high tech as a ps4 or something like that but then you've got the the added bonus of having that portability which you can't do with any other system of this sort of quality yeah absolutely um i mean the funny thing about graphics is of course as as we record this we've just had e3 mm-hmm. and one of the big things that blew up e3 was keanu reeves in mm. cyberpunk 2077 and yeah. you know in the cutscenes you've got like a photorealistic keanu reeves yeah but the thing is everyone's now talking about you know keanu reeves is in this game far more yeah. than they're talking about what the gameplay looks like and the gameplay looks mm-hmm. good don't get me wrong but i think yeah. some game companies kind of go if we've got photorealistic graphics we don't need to worry about gameplay so yeah. much whereas nintendo is still super gameplay focused and they did make some mm. missteps in the wii u era but splatoon was one of the best things to come out of the wii u era yeah um and so we we had the original Splatoon, and mm-hmm. um, as much as I enjoy it, I've only got about 200 hours on it. Mm-hmm. My fiancé has 1,300 hours. Wow. As his primary <laughs> character, okay? Mm-hmm. Because he's got two. He's got two characters. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Because um, there's these things called Splatfests in the game, where That's right, yeah. you know you've got a tournament and you have to pick a side. So he created the mm. second character, so he could play both sides <laughs> within Splatoon. Okay, um, and his second character has two hundred and fifty hours. Wow! So he has over fifteen hundred <laughs> hours in the game, and it's a. Ro- Do you actually speak to each other at all? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I know, I know, but um, that's oh, he gets that's awesome. he gets quite embarrassed when he has to go to his um his friend list because when you go to your friend list, it brings up your profile mm. and it brings up yeah. your um gaming how long hours, you've been playing it how long yeah, you've been yeah. playing it for yeah and mm. Splatoon is almost always at the top of his list and he says don't look don't look I'm like darling I know how much you play I uh, I know <laughs> I don't. Uh, he gets home a few hours before me which is where he gets most mm-hmm. of his play time in um. But yeah, what I mean, what I love so much about Splatoon is back in the day on the Nintendo sixty four, I used to play Perfect Dark endlessly. Oh yeah, with my friends. Now, mm-hmm. if people haven't heard of Perfect Dark, but they've heard of Goldeneye, this was yeah. um, the same team, wasn't it? Same team. This was basically the sequel to Goldeneye, but with an original character, uh, Joanna Dark, mm-hmm. rather than James Bond. So we used to play death matches all the time. Yeah. Um, now, of course, online shooters have become far more advanced than that, but I kind of mm. look at conventional online shooters with, you know, actual bullets and actual weapons, and they kind of all meld yeah. into each other, whereas Splatoon mm-hmm. has that mechanic of having to paint the ground and yeah. that being the main objective in the main game mode, which means, yeah, you can, mm-hmm. as you say, go into the enemy's territory and try and wipe them out, but that no- is not necessarily the path to victory. No, it's all about having that higher percentage of paint on the map. Yeah, um, when the the final bell rings. Exactly, exactly. Um, 
And there are numerous different kinds of weapons. You know, you mentioned the roller. Mm -hmm. There are also sniper-type weapons. Uh, Mm -hmm. There are weapons that emphasise that painting as opposed to stopping power. And I... um, my particular favorite weapons in the game are the aero sprays, which are a bit of a punchline oh, okay. because <laughs> almost every game, almost every weapon in the game, um, it takes between one and three hits to kill the enemy, whereas mm. the aero spray <laughs> takes at <laughs> least five. <laughs> right, and it's funny we um, we sometimes have friends around for for the splatfests. And mm. we had a friend around who hadn't been around for a Splatfest before and saw that Rod and I were using aerosprays and just said, right. aerosprays? You're not going to kill anyone with aerosprays. <laughs> and literally during our first round, we both saved him three times oh, each wow. <laughs> using the aerosprays. He's like, oh, okay. But that's the thing. It's a game where so long as you practice and get used to mm. your play style, Um, there are multiple paths to victory. There's a solid single-player mode. Um, Mm -hmm. There are different um, sort of competitive modes. And so if any of you out there are a fan of um, shooters like uh, the Call of Duty series or even Mm -hmm. Fortnite or Overwatch, especially Overwatch, I think, is possibly the closest to Splatoon, I would Mm -hmm. recommend giving this a go. Uh, I love it so much. It's I think it's probably my favorite game on the Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I think there's so much variety in the gameplay, and no matter what your playing style, there is something to match your style. My favorite uh, weapon is the um, the one that looks like the Nintendo Zapper from the the original NES. Yes, and uh, I get on really well with that. I seem to do pretty well on the whole with that. <laughs> I'll go through. I'll go through spells where, because you you obviously rank up as you're getting your your wins, um, uh, but I'll get the odd sort of barren run where it just all seems to go horribly pear-shaped, and I'll play around with various other options, but I always tend to go back to that zapper because that's the one I seem to enjoy playing as the most. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I try other weapons, but I keep going back to the arrow spray. Um, Mm -hmm. Funny story about the zapper, because... That's that's one of Rod's main weapons as well. All right. And um, something I do while we're traveling overseas is that's when I do a lot of my retro game hunting because things are a bit mm. cheaper. And um, we were in Sardinia for a day last year, mm-hmm. and I found out there was a retro game shop, and it wasn't that far from uh, from the dock when we got off the cruise ship. So it's like, hey, let's wander mm-hmm. up and just have a look. And I did buy one or two things in there. And it was a pretty small shop, mm-hmm. though. So uh, Rob, my fiance, just said, oh, I'll wait outside. And mm-hmm. we're all, you know, I'm all done. I come outside and he's staring in the window. And I'm like, what is it? And he said, it's, a, it's, it's the Splatoon gun. I said, the Zapper. <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, and he's like, why would they have a Splatoon gun if this is a retro shop? I'm like, no, no, that's the that's the actual zapper from the co- He had no idea that it was oh, the real wow. light gun from the console. Oh, bless him. <laughs> and um, he said, oh, wow, I'd, 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 I'd really like that. So I popped my head back into the shop. I said, um, there's the zapper outside. How, how much is that? And they said, oh, that won't work on a modern television. I said, I don't think that's going to be a problem. 
No. He doesn't actually want to use it. And they're like, oh, 10 euro? Done. There you go. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fantastic. And the thing is, he then spent the rest of the trip sort of occasionally saying, oh, I hope I get it through customs okay. I'm like, it's a giant orange. <laughs> it's a giant orange plastic gun with a cord attached. <laughs> I think you'll be okay. Well, you never know these days. <laughs> no, that that's true. That is very true. But yeah, it's just, it's just you know, it's nice. it's like I those like it. it's like those stories you hear these days of you know in like Microsoft Word and things. The save icon mm. is still a three point five inch floppy diskette. Yeah, and you know you hear these stories of kids finding. Um, of kids finding floppy disks and saying, hey, someone 3D printed the save icon. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. I think kids these days, if they if they had to go through what we had to uh, <laughs> just to get games up on the, the TV screen, I think they would be absolutely tearing their hair out. Yeah. The, the I, fine, I think they'd be amazed. Yeah, the Fine Brothers did a video of t- like um, teenagers react to the Nintendo uh, Entertainment yeah. System. And there's some uh-huh. act- absolutely adorable footage of Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones um, yeah. figuring out how to boot a NES cartridge. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I have seen that. Um, that's a really good channel, actually. They do tend to have some uh, some cool stuff on there. Yeah, I remember seeing them uh, presented with an old school. I think it's like a three eight six PC, and they had to work out how to switch it on and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And and a Walkman as well. That was one of the funniest ones. So they present them with a cassette Walkman, and they're trying to work out how you skip to the next track. And <laughs> it's just very, very good. Like no, you don't. So it's worth a watch. You don't get that. <laughs> <laughs> you want to skip to the next track you fast forward mm. and you learn how to count that's what you do <laughs> that's what that's all we did back in the day was learn to count and press the button yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so have you got another one that is, is on your list of must-have games yes yes um so i have a bit of a love-hate relationship with this one and um that's intriguing <laughs> It's uh, it's been a Nintendo Switch exclusive until recently. It's just had a PC release. Mm-hmm. It's called Octopath Traveler. Oh yeah, I've seen reviews for that. Yeah, and um, so this is a game for you if you loved um, Fantasy Star on the Mega Drive mm-hmm. or um, Chrono Trigger or Secret of Mana on mm-hmm. the um, Super Nintendo. So this is, it's from Square Enix, who yeah. made the aforementioned Mana series and also make Final mm-hmm. Fantasy, of course. Yeah. And it is a, that sort of top-down RPG game. It's a beautiful mix of graphic styles in that the characters are 16-bit style sprites. Mm-hmm. But they're dropped into a 3D world that looks like a a model for a really good claymation film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the backgrounds look beautiful, don't they? Yeah. Really nicely realised. Yeah, and if if you're playing and you don't look at the characters and you look at the backgrounds, you could swear that that's an actual physical model and that when you mm-hmm. move through it, they've moved a camera through it. And you know they haven't, yeah. but it's what it feels like. Um. It's got a turn-based battle system, as is common for these kind of RPGs. Mm-hmm. And it's got eight characters, which is where the um, 
the name Octopath comes from because you can choose mm -hmm. to follow any character's story, dip in and out at any given time. And the reason I say I've got a love-hate relationship with this game is um, so I have... I made it my mission, first of all, to go around and collect all the characters. You can have four in your party at any given time. Mm -hmm. And then I decided, right, I'm going to go to Chapter 2. And in the map, it shows you where Chapter 2 for each character is, and it shows you a recommended level. So I okay. went for the second lowest one, which was 22. Mm -hmm. And my entire party at that stage were 22 or higher, level 22 or higher. It has a leveling system. Sure. Mm-hmm. And the boss fight, I just kept getting killed within five minutes. Oh, just dead, 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 dead. <laughs> um, so I looked up a play. It gets a bit wearing after the, the 20th attempt. Exactly. Um, <laughs> thankfully, after you die, you can skip the cutscenes <laughs> that lead right, you into yeah, the battle. God. Um, <laughs> but I then I looked up a play guide and it's like, oh, take this character in. I thought, okay, well, she's the last character I collected, so she's not very well leveled up yet. So mm. I went around having lots of random battles and leveling up this character to, I thought, level 20. Level 20 will be enough. Everyone else in my team mm. is a tank. They're level 27. Uh, so I went into the boss fight. Dead, 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 dead. So <laughs> that's when I <laughs> discovered you could decide, I'm not going to do this chapter now. And I went to the lowest chapter, and that's what I'm playing at the moment. Um, uh, and part of the reason that I'm revisiting it so heavily now is mm -hmm. um, the collection of mana has finally come out in the West, which is yeah. the secret of mana from the Super Nintendo and also its prequel game, which was, I think, mm -hmm. Final Fantasy Adventure in the US for Game Boy and Mystic Quest in Europe. Um, mm -hmm. And also the third game in the series, which never got a Western release. Okay. So Secret of Mana 2, um, which is now known as Trials of Mana because it never had an official English name. Mm -hmm. And so that was a game similar to this. You had a total of six characters and you could chop and change and have three in your party and it had simultaneous um, two-player multiplayer. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, they are just charming. They have amazing stories. Like this this one, Octopath Traveler, really doesn't shy away um, from having some complex characters. So each character kind of has a role. You've got uh, a knight. Mm. You've got a huntress who can trap animals that you fight and then use them in battle against, against others. Um, okay. Each enemy you face has weaknesses to different weapons and different elemental spells. And they've mm -hmm. got a shield against those. So just say it's weak against the sword and it's got a shield of three. If you attack it with three sword attacks, it won't be able to move for one or two turns. Okay, right. And that way you can you can take it on. And the mm -hmm. um, so the chapter I'm playing at the moment is the character Primrose, who when you meet her, she is an... And she is an erotic dancer, let's say. But it actually turns out that okay. she is the son of a nobleman who was killed and she is seeking retribution on his murderers. So her, oh, her, right. her job is a cover, essentially. Oh. And, um, yeah, so she's on the track of the first of three men. It's quite forward-thinking, really. Yeah. Um, and... Some of some of the language characters 
the villains use to describe her in the game, it's like, okay, this game is not being backwards in how a woman in this sort of medieval-style society would be treated. Mm. Mm. And it, it kind of addresses that in that her employer at at the club when she reveals who she really is there is actually a line of dialogue saying i am not your possession and never have been and i remember wow. ta- i remember taking a screen grab of that and tweeting it just yes <laughs> yes this is this is what i came here for and because she was the last character i unlocked and you know other characters have had tragic backstories and lost people and whatnot mm-hmm. the, i just i just found this really really kind of powerful um mm. yeah i'm hoping i get i'm hoping i get better at it because i've made the deal <laughs> i've been waiting for the collection of mana from so long because i love the mana games mm. but i've made a deal that okay no i can't just drop octopath traveler to play one of its antecedents i have to finish octopath traveler before i can wow. buy the collection of mana that is my rule <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah octopath octopath traveler definitely go out and buy that if you're a fan of old-style turn-based RPGs. Well, you're probably just going to hang up the call now, but um, I'm not the biggest fan of RPGs. I did try back in the olden days. Get out! I think it was... Was it it Final Fantasy VII that came out on the PlayStation 1? Yes, yes. Which was the first one. Yeah. Mm. I tried that, and I... I really struggled to get into it. I thought, you know, at the time, the cutscenes and everything were really cool. Um, but I just found the gameplay a little bit tedious, if I'm honest. Um, I know it's held up as a real classic, but and you really are going to hate me now because <laughs> I I have to confess I have never played a Zelda game. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. You've owned all those Nintendo consoles, and that is really yep. surprising to me. Mm. Um. Look, I, w- I will say in in sort of Octopath Traveler, I don't usually like turn based games, but what no. what gets me with this one is that um, that shield and break system, as I mentioned earlier. Oh, but mm-hmm. okay, I am reeling from that because <laughs> just because Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is the Zelda game on Switch. Yeah, it's a huge, huge game. Yeah, and it has one of the highest attach rates of a game ever. I think, you know, mm. in the first year, um, it somehow had a higher attach rate than consoles. Like, Nintendo was saying, we don't know how this has happened, but we've sold 1.2 copies of Breath of the Wild for every Switch. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think I think it's dropped to, like, um, 75% of Switch owners now have Breath of the Wild. Wow, yeah. okay. Mm. So... Maybe I need to re-evaluate my idea of what IPGs are. I and mean, certainly Breath of the Wild looks stunning. Yeah, the, the, um, the visual side of it looks amazing. Mm. Um, and I've heard lots of really great things from friends who've got the game. Uh, but I've just never got around to, to getting it. Yeah, um, yeah. And at the time of recording, uh, E3 has just finished and... Um, Nintendo announced about 40 million games and uh, <laughs> right at the end of their presentation they showed a little sneak peek of the follow-up to Breath of the Wild. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I need to pull my finger out and, and give it a try, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, and well, also, if 
if sort of top-down RPGs, for instance, put you off, Breath of the Wild, mm. which is also on my list because it had to be, um, it breaks a lot of the conventions of JRPGs and a lot of the conventions mm. of Zelda. Okay. Um, simply by the fact that there's no set narrative you can right. you can play the different levels and areas in any or in any order you can manage you know there's kind of a recommended path but okay um yeah people have made a speed running community out of going from the starting area straight to the boss fight oh wow uh the final boss fight that seems pretty full on yeah it it is <laughs> it really <laughs> is um but yeah, and it it was kind of my partner and I were both playing it, and it was the whole reason we bought two switches. Okay, was to was to play Breath of the Wild because we were discussing whether we needed one or two switches, and mm. he said, "Oh, Zelda looks really good," and I said, "Okay, yeah, but do we need two switches?" He said, "Oh no, I'll just wait until you finish it." I'm like, "Will you really mm. be able to sit there watching <laughs> me play it until I finish yeah. it without wanting to play yourself?" And he's like. Uh. I think we need two switches. It's like, boom, there we yeah. are. And then Splatoon yeah. 2 was announced and it was, yeah, that, we were done. It was like, yeah, okay, two switches. Has to be. <laughs> hmm. I mean, I did get um, the Elder Scrolls for the Switch. Right, yep. Um, and because Lee that I used to do the Blue Box podcast with is a huge, huge fan of that game. Um, and I just found it really deathly dull. Right. I'm a bad I'm a bad person, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I'm gonna go to hell for this, but um yeah, I really yeah. To be honest, I've never played no. it. Mm. I've never played okay. um so you know, this is a safe place. Um <laughs> I bought I bought it for one of my nephews and he he is loving it. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. But yeah, I've never played it myself. Um so I can't really I can't really comment. I was going to say people have compared the two. But that mm. probably isn't gonna uh, probably isn't gonna give you much of a recommendation, really. Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do look. I like what I've seen of um, Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. It does look amazing. Um, so maybe I will give it another turn. <laughs> However, on a more slightly more positive note, yes, um, one of my other real favourites, um, which it's a bit of a theme that. Uh, comes across on the Switch. Uh, it's a port from the Wii U, because obviously not that many people have the Wii U, so they've invested a lot of money into creating some really good games. Yeah. So why not put them out on the Switch? Uh, and that's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Yes! I think that's such a fun game. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Yeah. From my perspective as a parent, it's great that um, for me and my son to be able to spend some time and my wife gets to spend some time on the Switch as well. We let her play, play occasionally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she sometimes gets to have a go. Um, it's I love the idea that you can customise the controls so that if you've got someone who's quite new to gaming um, you can um, vary the amount of assistance they need so there's an option to where you can't go off the side of the track yeah. or there's an option where it will keep you um, going forwards, you don't have to keep holding the button down to accelerate. Um, and I just think that's such a great idea because it then involves a much wider range of players. Um, and I think that's such a, a cool idea, which just opens it up to everyone. 
I love it. I think it's just such a great game. Anyway, you were going to say something really interesting. Oh, not really, but I, I, t- I, t- no. I totally agree <laughs> with you on, on, um, <laughs> on, on the point of, you know, accessibility and, mm. you know, allowing for different skill levels. I was just going to say, who's, who's your go-to character and, like, cart combination? <laughs> ooh, ooh. Um, I'm quite old school. I like to go for the, a, more of a standard cart. Uh-huh rather than any of the slightly more outlandish ones, although, you know, I have been known to get a motorbike every now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, and who do I normally plump for? Um, Toad is a favourite. Mm-hmm. I like Toad, yeah. Um, or maybe... Uh, maybe Mario or Luigi, you know, yeah. pretty pretty old school, pretty standard, but, you know. And yourself? Well, it's kind of weird, like um, Mario Kart 64, which was my first Mario Kart game always mm. wario always wario okay. because i'd just gotten i think um super mario land 3 which was wario's mm. first solo game and i was just obsessed with wario every ah. subsequent mario kart game i can't play as wario like i just lose and lose and lose <laughs> so in this one it's um it's roy who is one of the koopalings oh yeah okay yeah he's um he's the one named after roy orbison with the big pink sunglasses nice yeah and I play on the jet bike. Okay. Which, um, yeah, kind of looks like something Evil Knievel would ride. Um, <laughs> with cyber slick tyres. Nice. And the flower glider. Um, of course. Of course. Of course. But, um, you know, again, you mentioned, yeah. I like the flying squirrel. I think that's yeah. really cute. Yeah, the flying so squirrel's cute. That. Um, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned your wife is occasionally, uh, occasionally plays. Um, yeah. Yeah. Rod Rod kind of likes Mario Kart. <laughs> but why do there have to be all these weapons getting in the way? Like the thing he hates uh, about Mario that's Kart the fun. is the thing that makes it Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And it's kind of, uh, and you know, I kind of see his point because in Smash Brothers mm. of course you can switch off items. It's yeah. like why not in Mario Kart? <laughs> but yeah, before the Switch came out, um, he would play Mario Kart Seven on 3DS, and his favourite was the okay. time trial mode because he, you know, he could just he could just drive right. and enjoy the track and be able okay. to see things. Um, mm-hmm. So he did buy Mario Kart Eight when it came out, and I think he's played it for about five hours, and that's right. it. And I've offered to sell. Well, it. he's you know he's got to have a break from Splatoon now oh, and again. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, he tends to find like indie games on the shop, and that that's his Splatoon uh-huh. break. So at the moment, mm-hmm. um, we've just we've just both done Lifeless Planet, and that was really good. But at the moment, it's okay. a, it's an RPG called Cat Quest because he loves cats. Well, who doesn't yeah, love cats? They're the right. best animals in the world. That's right. Um, Mine is sitting behind me at the moment as we record. Oh, we 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 don't have one because we live on a fourth floor flat, so it wouldn't be. A, you know, yeah, get enough exercise. yeah, it's not not the best, no. Yeah, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get a cat one day. <laughs> <laughs> Life goals, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, with, with Mario Kart, um, we have a, a GameCube, which is linked into our TV as well. Mm-hmm. And my son really loves playing Double Dash, which, when you consider what we were saying before about the uh, Mario Kart Eight having all the accessibility bits on it um 
Double Dash is fairly unforgiving, really, isn't it? Yeah. It doesn't give you an awful lot. Uh, but he loves playing that, and he's really good at it as well. Mm. I, do, I do remember it being a lot harder than Mario Kart 64. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so much so that I remember at the time. So I think it was released around, I want to say, 2002. Um, mm-hmm. I seem to recall at the time... I was kind. I was kind of put off by it and didn't play it much. I've gone back yeah. and played it more later, mm. but yeah, it was it was a big jump. And I I remember a lot of people didn't like the sort of two person mechanic. Uh huh. And I think I was a bit ambivalent about it then. I love it now. Like I occasionally mm, pull out yeah, my. Yeah, I just think it's something really different yeah i occasionally pull out my gamecube and and play it and love it now Mm -hmm. and again it's something i've i've played with my partner who's not big on mario kart games because i can just say to him okay you just focus on driving and Mm. i'll be gonna yeah and you know he still hates the blue shell of course but you know (laughs) what can you do yeah no that's fair enough yeah and um, (laughs) the thing is i i've also tried showing him mario 64 and he's just like that looks terrible i'm not playing that (laughs) and it's like this was state of the art in 1997 (laughs) yeah don't you understand yeah Yeah, no it's it's uh it's a good i think it's a really good game and uh i think the gamecube again was another one of these consoles that maybe got overlooked at the time because the i think it's around the same time as the ps2 came out and obviously PS2 was all singing, all dancing, had DVD and the rest of it. Um, but I think, as you were saying before, for sheer gameplay, I think there's some really cracking games on the GameCube. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, the the PS2, in terms of consoles, kind of invented mm. the idea of shovelware for consoles. Yeah. Mm. Whereas in the following generation, it was the Wii that did that. Mm. You know, there, there were lots of games on the Wii that was just not... Not great and very, very much rushed to market, um, mm. which, you know, helped the Wii cement its place. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, I mean, you know, Nintendo had successes but not smash hits in the Nintendo mm. 64 and the GameCube. So for the Wii to come along and then be this massive thing despite the fact it was competing against the PS3 and the Xbox 360 with full HD graphics mm. and, you know, Bloom, I think, was the, the big thing it, then, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then, as we've alluded to earlier, kind of squander it with the Wii U, but then get it back again with the mm. Switch. It, it's it's really heartening to see. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Wii was kind of a, an oasis in the wilderness, if you like, for Nintendo. Yeah, and so yeah, the the. I mean, I think we can say failure of the Wii U, um, had to be a massive wake up call. Like, did mm, did you yeah. did you watch at the time the the Switch reveal video? Oh, um, I I know I watched a lot of stuff on YouTube, and I probably, I must have seen it, I guess, mm. but, you know, I'm getting on a bit now, so you know. Fair enough. Memory's not what it used to be, but uh, but go on, elaborate. Well, just I I remember watching it because, as I say, I'm a huge Nintendo fan. My my supervisor at the time, the job I was working on, she's a big gamer, and Nintendo Mm -hmm. had sort of done a pre-announcement saying, 
we're going to announce something. And there were all these rumors of the NX, as it was called at that stage, That's the right, Nintendo yeah. Switch. And so um, there, we could afford to take a little time out of work that day. I think the video was like five minutes long. I don't think it was very long. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of put the do not disturb sign up on the door of our joint office <laughs> and sat, hunkered down for the live stream and she hadn't bought the Wii U, but I bought the Wii U. And I could see all the problems with the Wii U, like the lack of proper portability, the giant chunky controller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of these things were then solved by the device. And yeah. then they take the controllers off the side. Mm-hmm. And we we kind of lost it a little bit. We're like, what? <laughs> what, 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 what is this? What What is this magic? And it's like, yeah, two separate controllers... Yeah, two player right out the box, mm-hmm. you know, and and then so innovative, yeah, and then the internet blew up <laughs> mm-hmm. with, with with this thing, and yeah, it's just gone from it's gone from strength to strength since then. They're making some yeah. really smart um, cooperative decisions with Microsoft. Yeah. Um, and there are the you get the occasional bit of grumbling about the online side of it, and I can yeah. kind of understand that to a degree. You know, yeah. if you if you have a PlayStation Four or an Xbox One, and you're used to the kind of seamless thing where you know you're interacting with all your friends, and and then you come to the the Switch, it's not you know it's not all that it could be. Yeah. But they've focused so much on the games rather than making it a multimedia machine. They've really focused on getting the games right and i think that's really proved to be a really wise choice mm, absolutely i mean yeah the online is the switch's main problem because mm. unlike server-based games uh, for nintendo's own online games they use peer-to-peer matching which mm-hmm. so in splatoon one player is hosting the game. So if they drop out, the entire yeah. game drops out. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I mean, generally, as I understand it, Nintendo will try to have, um, you know, the char- uh, the player with the strongest in- internet connection host the game. Yeah. But that also means if we, are, if we in Australia are playing someone in Japan, mm-hmm. we have a better connection with them than if we're playing with someone in the U.S., yeah, you know, kind of thing. Whereas if there's dedicated servers, mm-hmm. you don't get that so much. But at the same time, the online proponent, the online subscription, is much cheaper mm-hmm. than the competition. Yeah, I know it's, yeah. it's it's great for what it is, you know. Yeah, and it, I think the, the other thing I see is perhaps people sometimes moan about, you know, there aren't any SNES games available as part of the package. You you're really sort of focusing on the eight bit games, but. I suppose if you look at it from Nintendo's point of view, they've had so much success from the NES Mini, the SNES Mini. Um, are they going to want to put all of their really top-class retro games for free um, when you can sell, you know, for what is still, I think, a pretty reasonable price, uh, a little mini console that has most of the best games on it? That is true. That is true. But I, I, made, I made a joke on Twitter the other day um, mm-hmm. when when the Mana collection came out, actually, and people were really excited about that, um, 
Mm. You know, I, I imagined the conversation being, you know, Nintendo have this this catchphrase when they're when they're explaining why something's been delayed or why something doesn't exist. Um, they use the phrase "please understand." So, mm. so my tweet was, you know, please, please understand that we hear your desire for Super Nintendo, Nintendo sixty four, and GameCube games. Here are some NES games. <laughs> Whereas Square Enix, Konami, and Sega are like, hey, yeah, here's our mm. back catalogue with rewind and save states and different yeah. graphics modes, and you can play Virtua Fighter with, uh, sorry, you can play Virtua Racer with eight characters and <laughs> and online. You know, here's um here's Alex Kidd with rewind buttons and extra challenges. Here's the mm. Mana Collection, and you can play it, and it looks like an original Game Boy, and. It's, I just kind of go, Nintendo will release these games that other publishers make. Yeah. But they won't create their own collections. Mm. Because mm. I was, you know, I was so certain when the NES Mini originally sold out, I think it was like nine months yeah. to produce more, mm-hmm. which is great. It's awesome. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still convinced the reason there was an undersupply is after the failure of the Wii U, Nintendo are like, we're not taking any chances. Mm. No, that's it. But the thing that shocked it's understandable. Yeah, the thing that shocked me was that they made it again rather than mm-hmm. say on the Switch going okay, for $100 you can buy the physical unit or for $80 you can buy this yeah. collection of all these games on mm. on the Switch and it functions in exactly the same way. And um, yeah. because I'm slightly obsessed by spreadsheets, I have a spreadsheet <laughs> which uh, with little tick boxes to indicate whether something's available on the NES Mini um, or the Nintendo Switch Online service. And they still haven't Mm. released all the NES Mini games on the Nintendo Switch Online service. Which Mm. strike... which It just strikes me as odd. You know, some games like Mega Man 2 or Final Fantasy, owned by other people. Yeah, I kind of get it. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, so, for instance, it's things like, you know, it launched with a small amount of games and they're adding more... But some of the games they're mm. adding more of, like Super Mario Brothers 2 wasn't on there for a while. And Zelda 1 and 2 yeah. weren't on there for a while. It's like, I'm pretty sure you have the code for these. Mm. You know, uh, <laughs> like Square Enix said last week, basically, we want to release our entire back catalogue on modern systems. And everyone said, yay! And Square <laughs> Enix says, one of the problems, however, is we don't know where some of the code is. Ah. And people... People kind of like, what? And they said, we're not going to tell you which ones, but there are some games where we have had to borrow cartridges from people and reverse engineer the code. Wow. And wow. it's like, that's a big admission for a company to make. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I I just want my Switch to have everything on it. You know, and I know Well, if you think back ask. to the Wii, you had the virtual console and you could buy sort of classic games and download them onto your machine so i don't understand why they can't kind of filter that into their e-shop or well i don't know yeah. maybe there's some sort of technical reason why they can't do it but they had, i don't know yeah it does seem a bit strange they had Whizball for the commodore 64 yeah on the wii and mm-hmm. the last ninja and all those amazing things ah great game yeah um and, you know, we're starting to see it now, and Konami have just done three awesome collections. So they've done a yeah. they've done an arcade collection. They've done a mm-hmm. Castlevania collection. And oddly enough, yeah. the arcade collection is seven shoot 'em up games and a Castlevania game. 
mm-hmm. and which is not in the Castlevania collection. And they've, <laughs> they've just released a Contra collection as well. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and now of those, the only one I'm really interested in is the Castlevania collection, but they got such mm-hmm. a massive reception and the reviews have been really good uh, for those as well. Um, I've, I've, I've made lists of the collections I want Nintendo to release. It's like, you mm. know, we had Super Mario All-Stars back in the day. Yeah. We could have a Super Mario 2D collection and a Super Mario 3D collection mm-hmm. and a Mario Galaxy collection, you know. All, all these lovely things. I just want these lovely things, <laughs> Mark. <laughs> That's not too much to ask. No. You know, I as I say, I've got... I think Sega brought out a, um, a collection of their... Some of their better games as well. Yes, that's true. Seem to remember, and they've they've got mm. their their Sega, their Sega um, Ages line with mm-hmm. you know I was referring earlier. Um, Virtual Races just just come out or coming yeah. out at the end of this month. I picked up Outrun for about three quid. Yeah, <laughs> eShop, and it's so much fun. It's such you know, there's a lot of nostalgia with that game for me. I remember putting so many coins into the the arcade machine back when i was a kid mm, yeah so yeah it can be done just you know we love nintendo you know we love everything about the switch just you know just that one fine little thing you could do just to make us love it that little bit more we're not asking much we just you know want all your entire back catalog yeah exactly um we'll give you money for it <laughs> we don't want it for free you know we'll pay a going rate um have you played mario and rabbits um Kingdom Battle. Yes. Yes. That that's another one I need to get back to because I I, mm. I hit a hard point and got frustrated. But I do remember a re- yeah. a review of that. If you're familiar with the v- reviewer um, Yahtzee Croshaw with zero punctuation. Oh no. Um, he does these funny. I was going to say slightly lewd, but no, they're incredibly lewd um, <laughs> reviews of games. And I seem to recall uh-huh. the beginning of his. Mario and Rabbit's review is phrased like, so Nintendo have basically released an XCOM game. Oh, okay. Oh, it's got the Rabbids <laughs> in it. Oh, I can tolerate that. And Mario, oh, Nintendo, you just couldn't help yourselves, could you? <laughs> you don't have to stick Mario in everything. He's already got a party and a karting franchise and a, and a popular gyro stand down by the wharf. But no, he has to be in this XCOM spinoff. <laughs> um I think didn't they give that to a third party to develop as well? Yeah, I seem to remember. Well, ah, uh, yeah, that was Ubisoft, and yeah, that's um, right. who, of course, own Rayman and therefore mm-hmm. the Rabbids. And Ubisoft kind of developed it, developed the pitch without telling Nintendo, and fully expected to be mm-hmm. shot down. And Nintendo kind of went, "Oh, yes, please." Yeah, you know, we'll we'll do this. And but the biggest sticking point for them was oh, Mario with a gun. That's a bit weird. Mm. And so, Mm. you know, the guns become kind of cartoony Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Marvin the Martian, Ray Guns. Mm -hmm. And it's fine and it does fit and it works, you know. Yeah, it's a neat little game as well. Yeah, I do do need to get back to it because it is so lovely and so charming. Mm -hmm. It's just, again... It's it's turn based, which kind of puts me off a bit, but the charm of it works really yeah. well. Yeah, no, it won me over, that's for sure. Mm. Um, if we're talking charm, um, I don't think we can ignore um, Yoshi's Crafted World. I think that's such a cute game. Yes, I've only played the demo so far, just because I'm trying to clear some of mm-hmm. my backlog. I haven't bought it yet. 
Yeah, sounds like you've got a, well, Octopath for starters, oh, but God. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you've got a fair few to get through. But no, I, I really adore it. I think the the graphic style is just absolutely beautiful. It's so lovingly rendered. You know, it looks really good. Um, and I've missed out on the, um, was it Woolen World? Yeah, a, Yoshi, a Yoshi's Woolly World. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I did, which so I did have, and and finished, uh-huh. and that was yeah, that was absolutely charming and amazing, mm. and yeah, um, crafted world because as I say, I've only played the demo, but the demo's got a good mm. forty five minutes of gameplay. A decent in chunk it. of it, there, yeah. Isn't it? yeah. And I, and my son adores it as well because he loves Yoshi. Oh, so of course. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of interesting how with the Yoshi the Yoshi series, so Yoshi's Island. Yoshi's Island, I remember as a teenager, was incredibly yeah. hard. You know, yeah. it had a it had a really steep learning curve. It had a constantly crying baby if you got hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was yeah. there was some dark imagery in there. And now I have a um yeah. a Game Boy Advance SP that still works and I've got the cartridge for it on that. So Yeah. Play it from time to time. But it's a tough one. It is, it is, but the Yoshi series has now pivoted and it is aiming itself towards younger gamers, but it strikes that rare balance of, so, you know, you've got the mellow mode in your, mm. in, in Yoshi where, that's right. you know, you, you can't, you can't be hurt and whatnot, but there mm. is still, I think the challenge there for adult players now is sort of hundred percenting things. Yeah. You know, and in, in Woolly World, there are still, collectibles i haven't managed to get because i just can't see a way to get them yeah yeah um now i really like the the gameplay um i think it's quite an interesting idea that you kind of flip the levels around mm-hmm. so yeah, as well as going from side to side like a traditional platformer you're going in and out of the screen as well um and it's it does frustrate me when i'm playing with my son because he finds it hilarious to um swallow my character and then spit him out again uh and that doesn't get grating at all after about the 20th time of that happening yeah um so you know it's you know when he's feeling in the mood to actually cooperate it's a fun game to play together but uh yeah it's i I really would recommend it if you love platforming games um it's so cute it really is just a great little game yeah i mean i when when i get around to it i'm so looking forward to it I'll, I'll just, mm-hmm. you know, it'll 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 be a sunny day game. Like it's gonna make me smile. Yeah. <sighs> mm-hmm. I, I'm surprised we've got this far through our conversation and not mentioned Mario Odyssey yet. Right, yeah. Well, you know, I thought about I thought I did make a list and I thought about putting it on there and I just thought, yeah, as you say, we're just gonna get to it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh. Oh. So good. <laughs> so good. Um. You know, I have such fond memories of Mario 64. I think I've 100 percent Mario 64 about six times mm-hmm. um, on, on, the, on the Nintendo 64 and on the DS remake and again on the mm-hmm. Wii U. And you know, wow, I don't, I don't mind admitting this. When I, when I 100 percent it on the Wii U, I actually cried. <laughs> because it just gave me this rush of emotion. I remembered completing it yeah. when I was thirteen, and then I remembered completing it again when I was twenty. And yeah, it 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 was just an incredibly emotional experience. And Mario Odyssey has been the first three D Mario game since then that gave me the same buzz as Mario sixty four. It does feel like a natural successor, doesn't it? Mm, mm. 
I, I don't mind Mario Sunshine. I think it's you know it's fun for what it is, but I I don't think it's a patch on either of sixty four or Odyssey. I think they're both in a different league. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, I I love I loved Sunshine at the time. Um, I I loved Mario the Mario Galaxy games. Um, even Ma- oh yeah, they're really good. Yeah, even Mario three D World, which was a bit more limited in its in its three D aspect and three D. That's movement. a game I'd like to see them port over, but um, I don't I've not heard anything about that yet Ye- coming to the Switch. Yeah, I mean they've got assets for it in the upcoming Super Mario Maker, so I reckon that yeah. hopefully might lead to an announcement. And you know, I'd buy it again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, it it really was. I mean. Its appeal came less from sort of full roaming to you kind mm-hmm. of feel like you're in a little model set. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a terrarium environment, mm-hmm. um, which was really fun. But, yeah, Mario Odyssey, just it just felt so fresh and innovative. And the one reservation I had about it, and this is going to be oddly specific, right, Mm. Um, from the trailers, it looked to me like Cappy was going to be a sort of stereotypical smart Alex sidekick, mm-hmm. you know, and would would kind of be um, making jokey asides about being in a video game and whatnot, and yeah. and that often falls flat. Mm. But instead, Cappy is just this sort of likable character, also on a mission. Um, and it doesn't doesn't interject too much. It's I know you haven't played Zelda games as you say, but there's sort mm. of a gaming meme with um, the the fairy companion from Zelda Ocarina of Time constantly saying, "Hey, listen," um, <laughs> which you know really starts to grate on the nerves. Yeah, I can't imagine that would get annoying at all. Yeah, where, whereas Cappy just sort of gives you general prompts like you know you go into an area and he'll either say oh i think there's still moons to collect here or oh i think we're done here Mm. you know which is a it's a it's a really innovative way to keep track so yeah is is this another one that you play with your son because i know there's a co-op mode we've not really played it together um so maybe that might be one to go back to yeah i mean i haven't i haven't I've, i've completed all the worlds, but I haven't got all the moons because I just I'm not sure I have enough time in in my lifetime to <laughs> go around and cap, get them all. No, absolutely, um, absolutely. Because I think there's 999. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I can't remember how many I got. I've got a fair few, but it's um, such a fun game. Yeah, yeah. I love the uh, my particular favorite part is where um, you have to go up the the tower. The sort of the big. Um, skyscraper mm-hmm. yeah and they start playing the music and it goes very retro and it's it turns into the sort of 8-bit version again and just it's oh as the kids would say you get all the feels as you're going through that level just so much fun mm. um i won't i won't spoil it by describing what the final battle is Mm. but there is a bit in the final battle where they have actually written a rock song which plays and playing through that bit i was laughing my head off with glee not laughing (laughs) at the song i've gone onto itunes and i've bought it and it's one of my morning motivation (laughs) songs um 
especially the Japanese version. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> um, and, yeah, also, you know, the bit you're talking about, there was an original song there, um, Jump Up Superstar, yeah. which is just ridiculously mm. toe-tapping and makes you feel nice and fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, is, a, it is a nice and... It, it, it's a game about gaming. You know, those little mm-hmm. eight bit sections are yeah. you know, saying, Hey, remember this. Yeah. And I've talked about this on Flight Through Entirety. There's a fine line in nerddom and geekdom where where you invoke something that the viewer or the player will love. And there's mm-hmm. the ready player one way, the movie version I mean, where yeah. it's kind of like, Hey, here's that thing you like. Yeah. And it's like, and yeah. he's like, yes, I do like that thing. <laughs> what what are you what new thing are you doing with it? Whereas I feel like the eight bit sections in Mario Odyssey it's 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 a gameplay mechanic. It gets you from one point to another, um, yeah. usually. But it's like they've gone, okay, what happens inside a warp pipe? Yeah. And so it give it gives you this it gives you this new idea. It brings some of the enemies and mechanics of 3D Mario into a 2D space. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing, it takes this thing you're nostalgic for and does something new with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. Can't speak highly enough of it. It's such a great <laughs> game. That's the one that came packaged with my switch when i bought oh, it oh right oh and, uh, so do you do you have those lovely exclusive red joy cons i do indeed oh. i also got some splatoon ones as well the, nice. the bright green and the bright pink as well because yeah they're just really cool actually splatoon related thing let me tell you how much splatoon rod has played he got the special splatoon pro controller yeah no we have that too he's broken the thumbstick holy guacamole i need i need to send it in for repair (laughs) because he he was playing with the plain black um pro controller i'm like oh your controller's over there he's like no no it doesn't go forward anymore (laughs) and i'm like oh my god wow i know i remember this now he did it to the wii u as well we had to send the gamepad (laughs) in for repair i'd forgotten that and I, I, I remember oh, it. Man. And it, because, you know, his switch is his. So if something bad happens to yeah. it, fine. Well, not fine, but you know what mm. I mean? Where he was yeah. he was so apologetic with the Wii U gamepad. I'm like, eh, you know, yeah. it, it happens. Yeah, when, mm. you, when you play this as much as you do, this happens. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he, he paid to have it repaired, which was fine. But oh, man. I'm just like, you know, I've been gaming for 35 years and I've... Well, thirty years, I should say. I've never broken mm. a controller. No. In in rage no. or in anything else, they've mm. made some disturbing cracking sounds. <laughs> you know, but I've never broken one. <laughs> uh, I can remember using those the um, controllers, the joysticks on the original Atari VCS, or that they rebranded the twenty six hundred. My God, they your hands would feel like nothing on earth by the time you finish playing mm. if you played for any serious length of time there was no such thing as micro switches back then it was just really you really had to push the stick at all to make it go in the direction you wanted it to yeah they're really iconic for their time you look at the photos of them they look amazing but they were not much fun mm. to play with yeah I've, I've got one of those atari flashback consoles and and 
Oh, they've yeah. actually, it, like, it's a wireless Atari joystick, but they've replicated it mm-hmm. very well. Like, I'm sure it does have micro switches yeah. inside now, but the feel mm-hmm. is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Is there anything else that you're really um, a fan of on the Switch? Um, it's not a Switch exclusive, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a bit of a, a curate's egg, if you like. Yuka, mm-hmm. uh, ukulele. Ah, yeah. And you know, I I definitely acknowledge its flaws. I backed it on Kickstarter, um, mm-hmm. and you know, the flaw people point out with it is they set out to make basically Banjo Kazooie three, but with new characters. Yeah. And you know what? This plays exactly like a rare character based platformer from two thousand and one would play. For good, which is no bad thing, yeah. But you know, for good and for ill, like controls have gotten tighter <laughs> in the last fifteen years. Um, yeah, yeah. The camera could be a bit iffy on some of those games, but you know, the oh, the camera on this is so frustrating. It's really weird because yeah. if you're standing kind of next to a pillar, the camera mm. won't sort of adjust and move behind the pillar. You'll just try and turn it, and it'll go. No, I can't go any further. And oh. so the. Th- <laughs> the thing I find myself saying in this so often is the camera is not a physical object. <laughs> it shouldn't have collision detection. Um, but I put it down for a long time and I've recently come back to it and I had this moment mm-hmm. last week. So I played it for about 10 hours. I had this moment last week where I, I was in an underwater level and it was just really cleverly designed Mm. And the puzzle solving was really good. I'm like, okay, no, this clicks with me now. This really clicks. But then there's also these minecart sections, and I went straight to one of those. And for anyone who's played Donkey Kong Country games, you'll know what I'm talking about with these Mm -hmm. kind of minecart games. And five minutes later, I'm just screaming at the television (laughs) because this minecart stage is a loop. And if you miss the jump to get off the loop, you're going around again To to the point that, I, I couldn't figure this out. I thought I'd taken every route. And I had to look up a play guide. And while I looked up the play guide, I didn't pause. I just let it go around oh, no. and around and around really? and around. But it is charming. It is sweet. You know what? Laylee the Bat is a sarcastic mm-hmm. sidekick. <laughs> but the humor is actually really funny. Like it's almost Deadpool levels yeah. of funny. Okay. But without but without the swearing. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, they poke fun at the fact that there are so many, so many things to collect. Mm-hmm. Um, you are sometimes quizzed on how many things you've collected to access different areas in the game. The worlds are yeah. expandable. So first of all, you know, you have to use, you have to collect a certain amount of pages in this game. They're the, they're mm-hmm. the main sort of thing like stars in Mario you have to collect a certain amount yeah. of pages to unlock game worlds, but then you have to collect more pages to expand the game world. Okay. Yeah, um, which which is a really mm. new concept. And they've just announced a sequel, which is going to be a 2D platformer. And I looked at the yeah. gameplay for that and I thought, you know what? As much as I love 3D platformers, I think this is the way forward for this series because it just yeah. has utter <laughs> bags of charm. And I think switching it to 2D will tighten tighten it up i would say don't mm. buy it for full price definitely no. definitely buy it on sale they do get some 
quite regular offers on the eShop, which I think is good. Um, it's astounding. I guess it encourages you to... Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they are pretty good like that, you know. And a, I know sorry. we both had a little bit of a knock at Nintendo now and again, but <laughs> on the whole, they're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's like having a knock at Nintendo is is less like sort of saying to Sony, what do you mean I can't play cross-platform in Fortnite? Having a knock at Nintendo is, oh, Nintendo, oh, what are you like? <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a loving kind of reaction. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember when, when the Wii came out and just the, there was a controversy surrounding each system in that generation. And, of course, the Xbox 360 had the red ring of death where the mm. system would suddenly fail for no really apparent reason. Um, yeah. The PlayStation 3 very quickly dropped back compatibility with the PS2 and PS1. Yeah. Which was a big controversy. Yeah. The Wii's controversy, I remember, was the wrist straps on the Wii remotes were mm-hmm. very thin and would sometimes snap. So Nintendo arranged a free replacement with a thicker wrist strap. That was the launch controversy. For the Wii. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I kind of feel is still the case now. It's like the complaints mm. you could make about Nintendo. Yeah. I, I think the... If, Pretty small fry, really. Yeah, and, you know, I do agree in terms of processing power that Sony and Microsoft are the two bigger players. The Switch is catching mm. up to them. But when you look at, you know, things like the Mass Effect Andromeda debacle... Mm. Or No Man's Sky, which I know is an independent thing, but yeah. you know their big thing was you, know, you need a really powerful system to play this. And the developers have so made good on that game, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the criticism Nintendo attracts is yeah, it's really as you say, small fry compared to compared to the. And you big look at consoles. what it can do as well. I mean, there's some. It's not really something I would tend to play that much, but things like. Um... Wolfenstein and uh, Doom look incredible yeah. on the Switch. Yeah, again, they're not... When we consider the, the horsepower it's got compared to the other two. Yeah, there are some really smart studios now doing conversions for the Switch, mm-hmm. um, including, I think, yeah, the, the Wolfenstein games and Doom games have both been handled, I want to say, by M2, I think, have done the conversion on those. But I could mm-hmm. be getting that confused and they could be doing arcade conversions. But yet, whoever is shrinking these games down to fit on the Switch are doing an amazing job. Yeah, they really are. It's incredible. Yeah, and it's just been revealed that The Witcher 3 is coming. Mm, yeah, it's another huge game, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, there were rumours about the Red Dead games coming, the Red Dead Redemption games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite extraordinary. And you know what? You do take a performance hit. And even for Breath of the Wild, there had to be some patches early on because of frame rate issues. Yeah. But, and, you know, I I got some really quite severe ones of those, which did lead to my death. But even (laughs) even then, you know, the other thing that led to my death was I had four hearts and I jumped in the middle of four enemies with lightning weapons. You know, it wasn't Uh, entirely due to the frame rate issue. (laughs) But, yeah, even then... With Nintendo, I think you have always paid for the experience and especially the experience of their first-party titles. Yeah, yeah. So... Absolutely. Hurry up and bring back (laughs) F-Zero. Yeah, I love that game. (laughs) 
such a great game. Yeah. Oh, and for any fans of Star oh, Fox, great memories. Definitely get Starlink. Yeah, that was going really cheap for a while there. I don't know if it's still. Uh, yeah, it's about twenty quid because it comes with a whole um, physical spaceship, doesn't mm. it? And you have mm. to change it a bit, like um, oh, what was it called? Is it Disney Infinity? Oh yeah, and you had um, Skylanders, the Lego, and Lego Lego Dimensions, which I love. Yeah, I got that specifically for the Doctor Who content. That's yeah, me that's too. The only strangely enough, I got it, we, and the Doctor <laughs> Who content is amazing. Like. Um, oh, it's brilliant. Jo- uh, Josh Snares, who's a very good Doctor Who YouTuber, um, mm. did a video on the history of Doctor Who games and basically went, the best Doctor Who video game there is, is a Lego game. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. It's crazy. <laughs> mm. One of our previous guests, uh, Ben, was on a, a show a couple of episodes back. He was recommending Josh for his um, videos about the missing episodes. Yeah. So, yeah, the second person, relatively quick amount of time to, to recommend his channel. It's really good. I've watched a lot of his shows and they're, they're very well put together. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I am in awe of him because, mm. as, as I said earlier, I need to start updating my channel. I don't think I've put up a video in three months. And he is putting up weekly content of a very yeah, high standard. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah, and you know what? He is attracting attention in the right quarters. You know, Doctor Who magazine have publicised mm-hmm. him. Lots of Doctor Who writers and creatives have praised him for his work. And I say good on mm. him because the praise is very yeah, well-deserved. Like, very much so. Yeah, I I first found him and then found him again through his missing episodes stuff, but I first found him, he did this um, recreation of the Canine and Company titles. Nice. So, and yeah, he's just in this... <laughs> Ratty, I mean, how can you improve on that classic? Well, with a cardboard canine and a really ratty wig. <laughs> but it's a shot-for-shot remake with him as Elizabeth Slate. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I'm laughing just thinking about it. Uh, yeah, after we finish up, I'm actually going to go watch it because it's just such a feel-good piece. Because oh, I need to do that. The, and the whole reason I found that was I had a thought to do it myself, but... Mm. I went on YouTube to look to see if anyone else had done it and I saw right. his one and I just yeah. went, there is no way I can improve in any way, shape or form <laughs> on this. <laughs> and, he, and he has threatened to bring the character back. So <laughs> nice. we, may be seeing, <laughs> we may be seeing more of Cardboard Canine very soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe you could uh, see if anyone's done a, a remake of Doctor in Distress. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I do remember when Jodie Whittaker was announced, um, Mm -hmm. there were some very good mocking takes on the Not My Doctor people. And my two favourites were... Because, you know, um, there was the hashtag Not My Doctor. Mm -hmm. But someone came up with the great tweet of, it's Doctor, not Doctor. <laughs> to which the spoof tweet was a reply of it's doctor in distress not doctor in a dress <laughs> and uh, nice. and of course that spoof tweet got a much higher retweet <laughs> than, yes, the, I can than imagine. the original stupid <laughs> wordplay um, <laughs> um especially when the person who penned that particular musical uh ditty was not overly 
fond of the idea of uh, a woman being the doctor either. Yeah. I do I do love that Ian Levine's um kind of excuse for the way that um the Canine and Company theme turned out was he's like I you know, I never intended it for it to be synth. Yeah, I I sent that in. The as... rest of his output at that time was uh, not synth heavy at all. Yeah, <laughs> but he he's kind of like, yes, I sent in a synth, and he's since released the original demo, which actually sounds better than what we oh, got. Okay, uh, but he's like, you know, I sent in the synth demo, uh, which is very piano heavy, and he's like, mm-hmm. I I expected it to be recorded with, you know, real instruments. Yeah, and I th- you know I think you can find the original demo on. Amazon and it actually has a slightly sapphire and steel vibe to it which mm. is funny it's a bit spookier um okay but yeah sort of when he released that he's like it you know he's like I hadn't said this for years because <laughs> I didn't want to denigrate anyone but it was meant to be real instruments <laughs> it, 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 it wasn't meant to be Peter Howell attacking a synth or was it Paddy Kingsland attacking a synthesizer Ooh, I think <laughs> Yeah, was it? I think it was Paddy Kingsland. Yeah, it? and yeah, normally I Less. normally I love Paddy Kingsland, like yeah. the driving music in Modern Undead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's nails down the chalkboard. Mm. <laughs> Mind you, I, I'm I'm the guy who likes Kef McCulloch, so what do I know? Oh my god! Like, right, get out <laughs> now. When I'm when I'm on my bicycle, the music <laughs> that's going through my head is um the the cycling chase from Sharda. Nice, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> although I ha- I have to say that Mark Ayres surpassed himself. Oh, with, didn't he just? With the music for Sharda. Like um, the reprise yeah. of the running through Paris music for cycling through Cambridge. Mm-hmm. In, yeah. in in the cinema with, with the flight through entirety crew, <laughs> pretty much simultaneously Richard and I started singing under our breath cycling through cambridge we're cycling because <laughs> we are sad fans that is what we are there's nothing wrong with that wouldn't have it any other way speaking as a sad fan myself <laughs> i mean my my last getting back onto the subject yes my last really big game that i feel you know is you couldn't talk about the switch without mentioning is smash brothers because that is such a huge game yeah, on the yeah, switch yeah yeah and we're finally getting banjo i know you're saying you you're not a big you know fighting game player but i think there's a lot of people who wouldn't normally play a fighter who would play smash brothers yeah well i'm terrible at fighting games and i have smash brothers and uh-huh. i love smash brothers and there is there's a monthly um monthly gaming night here in a bar and every few months at smash brothers uh-huh. And I'm always terrible at it. I never win anything. Um, but it is so much fun to play. It is. And I'm getting really good with Simon Belmont. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is funny because I'm not very good at Castlevania games at all. <laughs> um, well, Captain Falcon seems to be my go-to. Oh, yeah, yeah. seems to be able to sort of pull off a lot of his moves. He's good. So, mm, mm. yeah. But the, the the love and care that's gone into making that game, um, and just the sheer volume of characters you've got to choose from, and the whole mechanic of unlocking more players, and uh, it's just such a brilliantly put together game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest and say it's six months since release, and I haven't unlocked everyone yet. No, no, I'm not even close to doing that. <laughs> but um, it is a 
a lot of fun to pick up and play. Mm. But I discovered some charts online for unlocking order. So I've unlocked the ones I want that I really want. Okay, yeah. And, you know, anything now is a bonus. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I want to be good at Mega Man because I love Mega Man. But I'm terrible. I'm terrible as Mega Man. Um, yeah. He just does. The problem is, like, most of his attacks are projectile-based. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know there's some customization in there, but it turns out, uh, it turns out I, you know, don't use projectile-based attack that much and I just have to deal with that. I mean, Belmonts have mm. some, have, they, they do have some, but they also have melee attacks. So, yeah. Yeah. So you, you haven't um, decided to pick the, um, the Piranha Plant as your player of choice you know what i have played with piranha plant a few times and it's actually <laughs> it's kind of fun it's really good i i i enjoy it yeah. um i mean kind of my criteria for a character is their up b which um mm-hmm. for those listeners who who don't understand what this means the objective in smash brothers isn't necessarily to whittle down a life bar it's to knock your opponents off the stage and the more damage they take the easier they are to knock so there's a situation where you might be very far away from the stage and need to get back and the up b attack is usually an attack which sends you higher into the air so you can Mm -hmm. get back to the stage most characters but not all that attack also does damage and that's my criteria and that's also my problem with Mega Man. His default attack for that, you can customize it, but his default attack for that does no damage, whereas the Piranha Plant sort of flaps its little leaves and anyone in the way yeah. gets slapped. Mm-hmm. And the Belmonts, and I and I think Captain Falcon sort of have an uppercut-style move. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my criteria for picking a character is their their up B, their mm. recovery move, has to do some kind of damage because I'm usually going yeah. badly. There's usually someone jumping off the stage towards me to knock me off it, so I'm going to need to do some damage to them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mario's pretty good like that too. I think he does like an uppercut sort of effort. Yes. If I remember right. Yeah, yeah. Um, on a recent trip to Japan, I finally picked up a... Um, a Nintendo 64 Smash Brothers cartridge because they, they go for stupid money here now. They go for like a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. And I was having a particularly bad day because I, it wasn't quite a sprain, but almost sprained my ankle the first day in Japan. Ooh. And yeah, it's not good. it was particularly bad on this day. And I, fa- I found I found the Smash Brothers cartridge in a secondhand mm. shop for like um, 15 Australian dollars. And I went, wow. okay, just buy it. I could find it cheaper elsewhere, yeah. but just buy it. Took it up to the counter. Mm-hmm. Yep, turns out it just happened to be half off that day. Oh, wow. And, you know, so that that just really gave me a bit of buoyancy because, as I say, it had been a well, pretty... a bit of karma coming back to you there. Yeah, it had been a pretty bad day. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Oh, that kind of made up for it. Yeah. So I now <laughs> have physically every Smash Brothers game. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. So is there anything else that you wanted to cover that we haven't touched on yet? Um, no, you know, I've mentioned a few in passing. Um, there's some really good uh, what people call walking simulators on the Switch where, you know, it's about sort of exploration more than more than weapons mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh, in that genre, I'd recommend Lifeless Planet and Gone Home. Um, okay. It hasn't come out on the Switch yet, but I think it's due by the end of the year. A great game called The Stanley Parable. Mm. which um, 
you find yourself alone in your office and there's no one else around. Yeah. And there's a narrator. Mm-hmm. And so the narrator will say things like, coming to a fork in the road, Stanley went through the door on his left. <laughs> but then if you go through the door on the right, the narrator starts telling you off. <laughs> and it just gets weirder like it. from there. <laughs> um, oh, interesting. Yeah, but I think I think those are the other, only other things I mentioned. Walking simulators, actually quite good. I quite enjoy them. <laughs> hmm. It sounds a little bit like a sort of updated point-and-click adventure. Some of those really nice Lucasfilm ones back in the day um, had a had that kind of um, humour to them. Yes. Where they were kind of pointing you in a particular direction and you'd, you'd get sort of responses, humorous responses, depending on what your actions were. Yeah, it's, it's quite a bit like that. And actually, now that you come to mention that, Thimbleweed Park... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I played that. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. I, I again, this is this is this is just my catchphrase. I need to finish that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... yeah. You're not alone. There. You're not alone. There. Life gets in the way, doesn't? That's it? true. That's a frustrating. And habit and, and, and new games get in the way. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay, well, we're going to go for a commercial break, and when we come back, I'm going to be asking Brendan for some of his recommendations for our listeners. Terrific. GameCube Super Mario 最高の大冒険がゲームキューブでついに実現。これがスーパージャンプだ。空へ海へ自由時代に飛び回れ。エンターテインメントの頂点へ。ただ、任天堂ゲームキューブスーパーマリオサンシャイン。ゲームキューブ
which was sort of mm-hmm. gross out horror movies in the 80s and 90s yeah. they're still making them and so we had Lloyd Kaufman playing these games and of course the angry video game thing is that he's angry and he comes up with these incredible <laughs> strings of invective yeah you get I saw one where yeah. sorry to interrupt Not you. At all. I saw one where uh, he was going to review the um the Home Alone games and the doorbell goes and the guy's there with a pizza and it's Macaulay Culkin. Yes, yeah. So he sits down with Macaulay Culkin and plays every single one of the Home Alone games. Yeah. And he doesn't really hold back at all. No, no. And Macaulay Culkin is wonderfully deadpan throughout the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Um, And the thing, Lloyd Kaufman, I get the impression watching that episode that Lloyd Kaufman was ad-libbing because uh-huh. J- James Rolfe keeps corpsing <laughs> right and i think that, i think there was one moment where in a toxic avenger video game there's toilets falling on his head and one of the nerds <laughs> things is where's the logic in this and lloyd kaufman yeah. who you know would not have had anything to do with the development of these video games just says oh yeah 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 um oh no the toilets here yeah, we got them as a job lot when um graceland had to clear out after elvis presley died there was one in every room <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, okay, I will presage this with a warning. If scatological humour and swearing uh, is something that turns you off, don't go watch this channel. Yeah, I probably wouldn't check it out. But, um, (laughs) yeah, no, if if your mind is in the gutter like mine and you enjoy that kind of level of humour, it's it's very funny. Yeah, exactly. And, um, oh, I'm just trying to remember back to one of my favorites one of my favorites is actually his polybius video mm-hmm. and be, because it combines his two loves and his loves are horror movies and video games and polybius mm-hmm. is a video game which likely never existed but there are rumors and stories that it was a mind control experiment by either the cia and the kgb and this video touches okay. on those rumors in a very inventive way and <laughs> i actually found it just the way he made it, I actually found it quite scary. Oh, so that would be my big recommendation, cool. which combines a few of the things, um, uh, a few of the things we've talked about. Ah, oh, it's a really good recommendation. I haven't watched his stuff for a while, so I might have to go back and and have a little look and see what he's come up with more recently. So I'm going to recommend something which is it's quite a niche recommendation. So um, I'm not expecting you to have heard of this. Um, it's a podcast mm-hmm. and it's specifically about um, English Premier League football in the 1990s. It's called Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? <laughs> it is presented by um, there's a comedian called Josh Widdicombe who's from my part of, of England. Yeah, I love Josh Whittacombe. Uh, yep. He's so funny. Yeah, so he's there as a couple of other guys. It's um, Chris Skull and uh, Michael Marden. So the the key thing, even if you aren't bothered about sport, even if you aren't interested in football, which a lot of people aren't, um, I would recommend this podcast to you just because, A, it's very funny, but B... Um, there's a series of, I think they're, they've done two so far, so I think there's a third one still to come. There was a, a quite a famous footballer in the UK back in the 90s called Steve Bruce, who used to play for Manchester United. And uh, he's gone on to become a manager and has been, you know, 
relatively successful in that. Uh, but in the 90s, he decided he would try his hand at writing novels. And um, he brought out three. There's one called Striker, one called Defender, and one called Sweeper. And they summarise these novels. You, I think you can still pick them up, but for silly money <laughs> on eBay. And it's hilarious. It's If you think of Alan Partridge, but turned up to about 1,000%, um, <laughs> It comes close to that. It's it's so funny. The The main character is someone who used to play for a club that sounds very much like Manchester United, who uh, then is a, a manager of a, a club called uh, Leddersfield. And at the time, he was a manager of Huddersfield. Um, he then goes on to describe what the stadium looks like. It's a very distinctive stadium, which is exactly the same as the stadium where he was. Um, and, yeah, the... Um, his one of his star players uh, is found murdered and uh, he is um, the prime suspect and it's down to him to solve the case and uh, it is hilarious just listening to them going back over the story it's just it's absolute comedy gold um, so even if you have no interest in sport just check out um, those couple of episodes that they put out and it's it's worth your time. It's so funny. Oh. So yeah, it's called Quickly Kevin Will He Score. So that's my recommendation. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to hear it to believe it. Oh. It's you could you could go down the rabbit hole and end up actually buying these to read yourself because it's um, it's scarily funny. <laughs> it's, it comes across, and they mention it when they're reviewing, and it, it sounds as though. He had no kind of editor involved at any stage of the production of this novel. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it's worth checking out. Oh, brilliant. I, I, <laughs> I, I just love how he kind of writes himself into the role of Miss Marple or Jessica Fletcher, you know, this, yeah. this talented amateur. The other thing they find quite funny when they start sort of uh, going over the details of the first book is that when you look at... The um, the fictional character's um, CV, he's done all the things that Steve Bruce did when he was a player, but he also won the Champions League, which Steve Bruce never did. Uh, so it's kind of like he's given himself that extra little bit of a bonus there as well. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very funny. You should check it out. It's very good. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Brendan. No it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having me, Mark. It's it's great to have you on, and if you'd like to come back another time, talk about something else, you're more than welcome. Um, is there anything you'd like to give a plug to before you go? Uh, you can find our podcasts at flightthroughentirety.com, Flight Through Entirety on mm -hmm. Facebook and Apple Podcasts, and at FTE Podcast on Twitter. Um, we Excellent. We also have bondfinger.com and jodyinterterror.com as well they're on they're on twitter too probably the easiest way to find those though is go to at fte podcast and just add the others mm -hmm. from there all the links will be there yeah. and Brilliant. um and if you want to see me tweet about inane things like doctor who and dogs especially shebas uh you can find <laughs> me on twitter at brandy bongos um excellent yeah. and the aforementioned youtube channel brandy nigma mm -hmm. i I need to work on my branding. I need to pull everything tighter together <laughs> so it's all one name. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much again. 
and uh, we'll speak again soon. Indeed, thank you. And by the way, everyone, if you're going to buy Rhyme, don't buy it on the Switch. That version is terrible. Good night. Oh, no, it's awful. Oh. Yes, no, avoid at all costs. How can the frame rate be this bad? <laughs> <laughs> 